I ask a couple questions today. Why tribulation? Why a holocaust? There will always be a tribulation. And there will always be a holocaust. The question is why? Especially even for our people. Because, and I don't claim to have answers. There are so many thoughts. But because God has a relationship with our people going back 4,000 years ago to Abraham when God raised up our people for a purpose to bring a message to the world. God raised up the Jewish people to be a testimony to God's faithfulness, to show God is always faithful and God will keep his promise and to bring salvation and deliverance to the whole world through a specific people. And so because God has a relationship with Israel and our people, he said to them, if you follow me and obey me and walk with me and follow my statutes, I will bless you among all the people of the earth. And then God says to his people, but if you turn from me and you turn out the light that I've given to you, God says I will have to discipline and deal with my people. He did. He dealt with them in 722 BCE. He allowed an evil army called the Assyrians to destroy the ten northern tribes of Israel. God dealt with our people in the year uh, 605, 597, 586 BCE. God allowed another evil empire by the name of Babylon to come in and take our Jewish people captive again, people of Judah, and disperse them. God allowed it in 70 CE. Remember, I am saying God allowed it. In 70 CE, when God scattered our people to the four ends of the earth, after Titus came in and destroyed our people, the temple, and scattered our people throughout the world. And my question, I guess I would say, is why did God allow it? Because of the spreading, there had been crusades, inquisitions, pogroms, and ultimately in our time, a holocaust. Why would God allow it? I can't claim to know the answers. I wait till I see him face to face. And I know when I see the Lord face to face, I won't have questions. I will look at him and go, oh, I understand. He will be so loving. But why does he allow that? Why did he? We know one good thing that came from it is the nation of Israel. God always has a purpose to draw his people back to himself. First thing I said was, why do we have a holocaust? Second, what is the purpose or motive? I write down here that God's purpose really always to not just discipline our people, but draw them back to himself. God is a loving Father who wants a relationship with his people. We don't understand the suffering and the pain. Not until we see him. But God's purpose and plan, listen, if you will, for a minute, to a couple verses that I tried to pick out. I don't know if we have them. Thank you. Thank you, Anne, for your faithfulness. In Leviticus chapter 26, we read these words. God said to Israel, if you walk in my statutes, you keep my commandments, carrying them out, then I will give you rain in the season. And so the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear fruit. Indeed, your threshing will last for you you until grape gathering. Grape gathering will last until sowing, uh, sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full, live uh, securely in your land. God promises to bless our people. 
I also shall grant peace to the Lamb, so that you may lie down with no one making you tremble. And I will eliminate all the harmful beasts from your land. No sword will come through your land. But you will chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. God said he would do that for the nation of Israel. But if you do not obey me, do not carry out my commandments, if instead you reject me, reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances to carry out all my commandments and to break my covenant, God says I will set my face against you that you will be struck down before your enemies. And that's what we have seen throughout history when God allows it. He doesn't allow our people to be wiped out because he's always watching over, preserving, and protecting them, even through the suffering. He says, I will let your enemies will strike you down. Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. That's what we saw in our time. If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you even more. And if by these things you are not turned to me, but act with hostility against me, a very interesting thought there, God wanting his people to turn. In the midst of tragedy, many times we turn to God. You, however, I will scatter among the nations and draw out a sword after you as your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste. Yet in spite of this, when they're in the land of your enemies... And I think when God scatters our people throughout all the world, as he did for 2,000 years, I will not reject you, nor will I so abhor them as to destroy them, breaking my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will remember them for them, I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God, I am their Lord. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you. No matter what they go through, God always remembers his covenant. He will always preserve them. He will always bring them through to accomplish his purpose and his plan. God's purpose, why he chose the Jewish people, was to give them a lamb, a seed, and a blessing, and the Messiah, who would be the Savior of the world. As we will celebrate that more next week, I will remember my covenant with you. I will establish, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Thus I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. The great encouraging words that we read from Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah spoke, he was called the weeping prophet. In the midst of the Jewish people's suffering, in the midst of them being taken captive to Babylon, in the midst of the torture, the Holocaust that took place then, in the midst of that, Jeremiah says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, Israel, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. In times of this, it's hard to say there's hope even in despair. Even through that, there would be hope. Then God says, You will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God says of Israel, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God always wanted our people to call upon him. Many times when he blessed them, he said, beware of prosperity, because prosperity will cause you to turn from me. He says, you will seek me and find me with all, when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found for you, by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you. God says, I will bring you back, declares the Lord. 
And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. God always promised to bring his people back. Last question. What does God want from our people? What does he desire from them? God wants, it's a strange phrase, and I thought this week I should say it. God wants from our people a circumcised heart. He wants the heart of our people to call upon him. A circumcised heart, as we read in the book of Deuteronomy, a great passage. When you go with me to the land of Israel, and we go up to Masada, to the top of Masada, and we remember our Jewish people, the last holdout, the first great revolt against Rome, and our people were destroyed by 70 CE. The temple was destroyed. Then some Jewish people went south to a place called Masada, which means fortress. They held out there for another few months or years. And finally, when the Romans got up there and our people had killed themselves rather than given into the slavery of Rome, it was an interesting thing that 1948, the great, great archaeologist Yagil Yadin, he came to the synagogue in Masada. And in the synagogue, buried beneath the rubble, he found two portions of Scripture, just like we read every week, a portion in the Torah and a portion in the Prophets. And the portion in the Prophets was the wrong portion because we know the portion they have each week throughout all these years. They read the same portion every weekend in the Law and the prophets. But the portion was the wrong portion for that weekend when the Romans came up and killed them. And they opened these portions and the great archaeologists started shaking violently. 1948, when he discovered it, Deuteronomy, as in Ezekiel, it said these words, So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, curse was 2,000 years, which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God, and you obey Him with all your heart and soul according to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then the Lord your God will restore you from the captivity. And Yadin opened up the portion, and it was opened to this portion. It was opened to the portion of Ezekiel, that said, I will bring you back. Before those 900 Jewish people took their lives, before Rome came up, they knew they were dying 2,000 years ago, and they left for a few generation to open up and said, we will be back. 2,000 years ago. They opened it up, and Yadin saw he was the man who would come back. God would restore his people. God says, I will restore you from captivity, have compassion on you. I will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. He says, if the outcasts of all the ends of the earth, from there, if you're outcasts, from there the Lord your God will bring you back, gather you, and there he will bring you back. And then he says, the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your forefathers possessed. You shall possess it. And you will, he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover, this is what God wants from you and he will do. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart, the heart of your descendants, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
so that you might live. God wants our people to turn to Him and circumcise their heart. Turn their hearts to God. Jeremiah says the same thing. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow hard ground. You're hardening against God. Break it up. Repent. Turn back to God is what he's saying. Do not sow among the thorns. Jeremiah says to the Jewish people, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskin of your heart, men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath will go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. God always wanted our people to turn back to him, to admit they needed his help, to repent and believe in God. Hundreds of years after Jeremiah, actually about five, six hundred years, a Jewish rabbi by the name of Rabbi Saul, we know him as the Apostle Paul, wrote these words. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Just because you're Jewish, you're not one outwardly. Neither a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a real Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. God allowed suffering of our people for the purpose of drawing them back to himself, for bringing about a nation. God always kept his promise, restoring them to the land, restoring them to the land to become a nation again. But what must they do? How do you circumcise your heart, Jewish people? Gentile people, how do you circumcise your heart? What must we do? I close with these words. John chapter 3, verse 6. For God so loved the world, Jew and Gentile, that he gave his only begotten son, the Messiah of Israel and the Gentiles. That's the purpose of Messiah, to come and pay for the sins of the world. Jewish and Gentile, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. How do you circumcise your heart? Like I tell you every week, at some point in your life, you turn to God and say, I believe I've sinned against you. I have a hardened heart. Break up your hardened heart. Admit you've turned from God. Accept the sacrifice of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and put your trust in him so that you might have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world. Yeshua did not come to judge us, but that the whole world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who doesn't believe, you've been judged already. We're lost in our sins. John chapter 8, 24, Yeshua says, unless you believe that I am he, you are lost in your sins unless you believe that I am he. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. But the final hope, John 1.12, it goes out to you today. It goes out to all people. But as many as receive him, that's what we must all do at some point in our life. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. 
Many years ago, when I turned to God, I put my trust in the Messiah. I told him that I had sinned against him. I believe he sent the Messiah to die for me, Jewish and Gentile, Jewish person. I believe the Messiah died for me. I now want him into my life. I accept him as my Messiah and my Savior. You know what God did for me that day? He circumcised my heart, turning me back to him. And he gave me eternal life and hope. And I look forward to that day when I will see him face to face. And all this suffering and all the holocaust that we've experienced, God will make right. Only in him can there be an answer. Only in him can we have a proper perspective of what he allowed to take place. Only in him is there hope. Let's bow for prayer. Abba, we thank you for this presentation that you put upon your servant's heart. The softness. Lord, help us not to come up with any glib, easy answer why there's suffering, why there's tribulation, why there's a holocaust. We do know that you brought it about to turn our hearts to you. Why in the details? Only until we see you will we understand. But until then, my prayer, my heart's desire for all people today is that they might turn to you with a humble heart, putting their trust in Yeshua, what he has done for them, so that we might truly have a circumcised heart and that you might turn our hearts to you and that you might give us eternal life and eternal hope. We ask all these things in our Messiah Yeshua's name. Amen.